coming up later in the episode. Our child was murdered. We are hurting on the inside. We are changed forever. We are going to grieve forever. That does not go away. So when this happens over and over, it, it almost seems as though we send our thoughts and prayers. And then what? These people are grieving. I'm grieving. It does not go away. You learn to cope. And hopefully those that need additional help, they seek out that help. This is Still Talking Black, a show about giving perspectives to issues that black people face every day. I'm your host, Richard Dodds. Today is June 3rd, 2022. And this year is Gun Violence Awareness Day. The plan was always to have Mia back on the show to tell her story and talk about gun violence prevention. But I never thought it would be under these circumstances. The day we recorded the upcoming interview was directly after the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, that left 19 elementary school students and two teachers dead. Just 10 days after a shooting in Buffalo, New York, where a white supremacist murdered 10 black people at a supermarket. We can't let this become our normal or get so numb to it that we stop seeking justice and change. For us on the outside looking in, we stop for a moment, send well wishes and prayers, and then we move on with our lives. But for all of those families dealing with the loss of their children taken far too soon, they never get to move on. This is not a partisan issue. It's a people issue. And if the representatives we elected refuse to fulfill the will of the people and protect us, then we need to find and elect those people who will. Hello, everybody. I am Mia Reed. I am the founder and CEO of Change Happens Today, which is a mental health practice located in Southfield, Michigan. And I'm also the founder of the Charles W. Reed Community Health Center, which is a nonprofit that services families that have been impacted by gun violence and poverty. Well, welcome back. You are on our mental health episode. I'm really happy to get you back to tell us more about your story. And this time to talk about something that's just as serious as mental health, but gun violence. We talked about your story last time you were on the show. Can you tell us uh, your story, what, what got you to where you are now? What led you to start your foundation? Yes, I am a gun violence survivor. My son, Charles Reed, was taken by gun violence in June of 2011. And one of the things that really inspired my journey with mental health is because I found the courage to seek out help. And it really worked. And because in our community, in my community, where I grew up, mental health counseling has a stigma attached to it. So finding that courage to be different, to reach out for help and it being successful was probably one of the best things for me. And so now I share those tools and strategies with the community through the nonprofit that I founded, the Charles W. Reed Community Help Center, which is in memory of my son. So that's my purpose. And um, because we focus on families that have been impacted by gun violence, 
the mental health piece is probably the most important piece because oftentimes, you know, Black people, we don't get help. We don't get help health-wise sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. We just keep going and we don't get help mentally and we just carry all of that in our backpack and it weighs us down. And we don't realize oftentimes why we feel the way we feel or why we react. And so just having that resource to be able to process just every day being a Black person in America, that alone, having that opportunity or that safe space to be able to process that information with someone is probably the difference between having bad days often or having some really good days. I know in the black community, it seems like I'm I'm glad to see that there is a movement towards more mental health and going to get counseling when you need counseling. But overall in America, do you think that mental health is something that isn't emphasized enough? I think lately there's a trend, whereas people feel more comfortable talking about mental health services and taking advantage of having a therapist. And I also think that because it's a trend, a lot of people um, haven't really gone out to actually seek out a therapist, more Mm. so getting information via social media or friends or coaches, which coaches are not bad, but seeing someone that is a licensed therapist, it makes a huge difference. And so when they actually take advantage of those resources, they will see a difference. And with so much violence going on in the country now, you know, you have vicarious trauma. You don't have to necessarily be personally impacted, but just seeing that violence over and over, especially the violence against people that look like you. Mm-hmm. It could cause PTSD. It could cause depression, anxiety. And so, you know, taking all of that into consideration, I would always suggest to everybody to, you know, seek out a therapist, not not just because you have something major going on, but just to process what's going on in the country, to have somebody to talk to in a safe space Somewhere you won't feel like you're being judged. Somewhere that your information is going to be confidential. It's something, thinking about it from both sides uh, of the spectrum, there are definitely individuals in this world who need attention to keep them from doing things that they'll regret or things, horrific things at times. And on that, on the other side, you have minorities and marginalized groups that are more subject to have to deal with gun violence, whether it's from their people in their own community, whether it's people, uh, police officers, it's, it's, it's both sides. So to have to carry that weight, you said PTSD, is it is something to, to walk around. And, and either side you're on, you could be in a suburb, something could happen. You could be in the hood and something could happen. And it's just, where is it coming from? And it's just a constant thing that we we all kind of carry with us. And, and sometimes you forget about how big of a burden that is and you don't process it. It just becomes a normal thing. But just because it's normal does not mean that it's healthy. 
Absolutely. And we don't want to become desensitized to all of the violence that's occurring. And as you said, yes, Blacks are disproportionately impacted by gun violence and are 10 times more likely than whites to die. So with that being said, we do know that racism exists. Yeah, it's just, and and with so many tragedies that's coming back to back now, and and if if you're listening and you hear our voices are a little bit heavier, it's just because just even before recording this, something just happened. And it just seems like every, every day in the news, there's just something else happening. So in your opinion, what, what would you say is the reason? Why do you think America seems to have so much more gun violence compared to other countries? <laughs> well, our gun laws, number one, and just having that access. You know, um, when you have 18-year-olds that have access to purchasing a weapon, we know that's a problem. And so we know that their brains are not even fully developed to make rational decisions and for them to be able to purchase a firearm, something that could kill more than one person at a time. And I think about those babies, 14 babies were murdered today in Texas. Mm. And I think about those parents and, and it hurts my heart. It just makes me so sad because it's not the natural order of life to lose a child. And traveling that journey of my child being taken by gun violence, my child being murdered, and it was so devastating and challenging because it's not the natural order of life. And so I wouldn't say I'm triggered, but it makes me think about the journey that they are about to embark on and it is going to be rough and it makes me sad. And it's senseless. And every time it happens, we look towards legislation and we say, why, why is this still going on? Why is this still happening? Why haven't we figured this out? And it's such a political issue that, we can't even get both sides to agree long enough to pass a law that could save somebody's life. I, and, you know, not to choose sides or make it a partisan issue, but kind of it is because you do have one side that is fighting really hard to bring bills that will make us safer. Mm -hmm. And then you have another side that is not even giving those bills a chance to be heard. And I live in Michigan and Michigan has very weak gun laws. This, this state has no laws requiring background checks on unlicensed rifles and shotgun sales, no extreme risk laws and no laws prohibiting domestic abusers from possessing guns. So mm. that in itself makes us very unsafe. So what we need to do as a country, as a state, as a community, our legislators work for us and we have to hold them accountable. And so it is our job to 
Make sure that we are calling them. Make sure that we are writing to them. Make sure that we are going to their place of employment, which is the state capitol, and lobbying and letting them know that we are not safe. Our family is not safe. Our children are not safe. Our community is not safe. And what are they going to do about it? And thoughts and prayers are not enough. No, especially when it, it just occurs so frequently. And you you hear the thought. They, they say that it slowed down during the pandemic because it had ramped up so much that every other week it was something going on. And it's just like, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? And I mean, the truth is the truth. It has been a partisan thing. It is. It is one party that has been keeping progress from happening. And you think about these children now that are gone and they didn't have to be gone. Yes. And it just really just breaks your heart to think about that. I don't know how you could be any kind of political figure and see something like that happen and not say, I should have did more to make sure that this couldn't happen, that we should at least try to do something. But you willingly, you see it and you've seen it before. You've seen it in Sandy Hook. You now in Texas, we've seen it in Buffalo. It's just continuously going on and nothing is happening. Like, how can you, I don't know how you live with those, with those things happening. And that should be on your conscience because these are the people that you have sworn to protect. We, the people. Yes. Yes, and and I agree with you. And I respect the Second Amendment. What I have a problem with is if you're a legal gun owner, what is bad about you storing your firearm safely and securely so that no one has access to it? Because, you know, there are so many things that we cannot control. But the one thing that we can control is what happens in our homes. And we can make a difference by making sure that our firearms, if we are legal gun owners, are stored safe. And that's one of the bills, the safe gun storage. It is just saying that if you are a legal firearm owner and you are not storing your firearms safely, you will be held accountable. So the best thing to do is to lock it up because it will prevent someone in your home or someone visiting you getting access to your firearm, taking it out into the community and harming someone. I'm even reminded of a of uh, something that happened with a student who went to school. And I mean, there's, there's so many different storylines and murdered his classmates. And that was the first time that they had ever put the parents on trial along with them. And I thought that was, I thought that was such an important thing just because there's a certain point where you have to be accountable because I think I even think about myself as a, as a young man, you know, at certain times where you don't, when you're younger, you don't always know how to control your emotions. And some people never learn. Like I know some hot headed people who probably should never own a weapon because one slip of, of instability for a moment and you're doing something that you cannot take back. And, you know, so it has to be more accountability, not only to the people committing these crimes, but to the people that are enabling them to commit these crimes. 
Absolutely. And and there are individuals that should never have access to a firearm, even if they are at the legal age to purchase it. Usually people, like you said, that are hot headed or some people that even have some uh, emotional issues, they have a pattern. And so that's where background checks come in. And there's a pause there. And let's double check and see if this person should even possess a firearm. Yeah, it's just it just seems like it's simple things that we could do. And, and it just it's just sad that there's so much politics involved in, in, in saving lives. And I think I think that's what a majority of the things going on in the world. And it's just kind of crazy, crazy to see it. And it's really unnerving is this. Like, let it like, let's let's figure it out. You think you can put your head down. We can send money to Ukraine. We can send we could try to help politic all over the world. But there's so many issues that are going on within our own country. And a lot of times it's happening more It's felt felt more in marginalized communities. And I guess are are we saying that people in Ukraine are more important to more important to deal with than the people in these marginalized communities. It'll be things that's going on. There's no money to do these things, but we can send billions of dollars over there, which I'm not saying, I'm saying it, it, Ukraine, helping people in Ukraine is important and we should help other people in the world, but we need to make more of an effort to help the people in the United States. Absolutely. I think part of the problem is, it's not so much that it should be political. I think that the politicians need to listen to their constituents because 80% of legal gun owners agree that safe gun storage is good, but they're not listening to their constituents. They're listening to a small pocket of individuals that may not, I can even say they may not understand what safe gun storage is because some people get, you know, they get uptight, you know, with someone telling them, you know, how they should run their home, how they should store their firearms, because in their mind, something has worked for them in the past and they don't see anything changing. And safe gun storage is saying that yeah, that may continue to work, but there is a slight chance that it may not. Why take that chance? Yeah. That is all safe gun storage is saying. Let's be safe. Let's be smart and lock our firearms so no one gets access to it. And for the life of me, I cannot understand where that's negative. Aside from talking to our politicians, what are ways that individually we can contribute to try to help curb the gun violence and especially in the black community, but just everywhere in general. Oh, wow. There are so many ways, but the best way is to find out the organizations in your community that are doing the work. There are so many organizations in different communities all over the country in my state, I there are so many I can't count that have been doing the work for many years. And they do marches. Um, they they help the community with with food. They help the community with shelter because it's not just the gun violence. You you have to make sure that 
you know, in order for people to join in this fight, because we know gun violence is an epidemic, their basic needs need to be met so that they are able to focus on something outside of their home. So mm-hmm. are they fed? Do they have shelter? You know, do they have clothing? So if your most basic needs are met, then you can focus on something outside of your home. Because we do know that gun violence is just a symptom of poverty and poverty is the culprit for many in the um, underserved community. And whenever there's an increase in poverty, there's going to be an increase in violence. It sounds like that there's so much stuff that we need to we need to fix a broken system or rebuild a new system that actually works for everybody that's inside of the system. Cause I always hear people say we need to fix a broken, we got to fix the broken system, but they said it's not broken. It was designed this way. So we need a system that works for every individual so that we can have fair, fair rights for everybody. Just, it's just so much inequality still in this modernized world that we live in. It's this beautiful, horrible, horrific, grand world that we live in it's it's beautiful and ugly at the same time and and it's just some people just don't see it and some people don't want to fix it and and I have to believe that it's a lot of people that don't want to fix it because if we really wanted to fix it I think we'd be on the road to getting it fixed I I think that there's a lot of ignorance involved and sometimes when things are not happening to you you don't think they are real mm-hmm. until they actually happen to you. And gun violence is one of them. When it comes to us, Black people, we do know that there is systemic racism. So in order to get to the root problem, as you said, this system needs to be broken down. And, and I can't say how, when, or who is going to help break that system down, I think we have to continue chipping away because we have been chipping away at it. So if we look in terms of breaking down a system, it's going to become overwhelming for us. So we have to look at the things that we are able to do. And so joining an organization that is already doing the work such as gun violence prevention organizations, you know, and being impactful. We have a march coming up um, that is being sponsored by Pastor Barry, Church of the Messiah. And this is, I think, his 15th annual march. And he didn't have it the last couple of years due to COVID. But this is something that people can join because it becomes impactful when the entire community joins and you have thousands of people, that brings awareness and it becomes impactful. And people want to know, you know, how can we help? What can we do? And we're letting the world know, you know, we are not going to just lay down and allow all of this gun violence to occur. We demand action be taken to keep our family safe. So those are some of the things that, you know, people can join. Um, every year we have National Gun Violence Awareness Day. 
This year, it falls on June the 3rd, and we wear orange. We wear orange all weekend. And so just wearing orange, posting on social media, recognizing orange because it represents the survivors of gun violence. And so just doing something that small, sharing that and and talking with your family or friends and letting them know that it's National Gun Violence Awareness Day and that um, car accidents are not the number one cause of death anymore in this country. It is gun violence. Mm. That is how bad it's gotten. That's that's crazy to think about the thing. And one of the things that pushed me to even create this this platform, this podcast, is that we have something we'll have something happen and everybody will pay attention to it. And I heard some people in in the DEI community talking about how when George Floyd was murdered, everybody was reaching out to them. Are you okay? What's going on? And then as events started to happen, a lot of people started to get quiet. And then, you know, life happens and life is crazy for everybody. We have our own things inside of our own worlds that we have to contend contend with. And then we look up and then it's like, oh man, that was that long ago. And such and such, they said that they were going to be doing this, this and that. And oh, where where is that? You know, what happened with that momentum? What happened with us talking about it? And then it gets to another point to where, you know, something else happens a week later. And then by that time, everybody's just numb. And the the thing that I worry is that with so much of this coming in in such quick succession is that it's starting to become like the ordinary normal thing. And you would hate to say that, oh, murder is becoming normal. And it should never be something that we should not be surprised when it happened. We shouldn't know. That that's what happened this week. It never should be that. So trying to make sure that like with my show and with other shows like my shows and with the things that you're doing, it's trying to as much as it is another weight that we all have to carry. And as black people, especially, we carry a lot of weights on a daily basis, but we got to keep it in the forefront of our minds. We can't become numb to it because no change will ever happen if we let up on the pressure. Because if we keep pressure on, then something will have to change. But we got to be consistent with it. And we got to keep it on top of mind. Yes, we consistency is the key. And no, we don't want to become desensitized to gun violence and to the murders that are happening in our community. And we definitely do not want to look at it as the norm at all. And I think... Like you said, life does happen. It happens to all of us. And I can honestly say that um, prior to my son being taken by gun violence, um, I, I felt really bad when I saw those stories. You know, what mom or what human being wouldn't feel bad? And then I did. I went back on with my life because it didn't affect me personally or so I thought. And so what I've learned is you can do everything right or everything you think that is right, but we still live in a community. We do not live by ourselves. We live in our homes, but we 
live in a community. And so we have to make sure that we are doing something in the community that is helping others in the community, because what happens to others in the community is going to impact us. And I have learned that. And so if we want to live safe, if we want to live free from violence, then we have to get into the community and we have to do the work. We have to work together. And when we all come together and work together in our communities, that's how we keep our communities safe. What kind of work does your organization do? Um, Currently, I am the Michigan Fellow for Every Town for Gun Safety Survivors Network. Every Town for Gun Safety is the largest gun violence prevention organization in our country. And they have several arms. One of them is Moms Demand Action. And I'm the lead for the Detroit group. And what we do is we help families just like my nonprofit. We help survivors of gun violence. But our biggest thing is to bring awareness and we do it consistently. And so we are we have events, we table, we give out gun locks, we do present presentations for our Be Smart program um, regarding safe gun storage. We go to schools, we go to churches, we march, we do everything we can to let people in the community know we see you. You are not alone. The this violence that's happening, you know, people think they're alone. And and there's there's no hope. There's nothing that they can do. And we want them to know that there is something you can do. And and we see you and and we are there for you. And you are not hopeless. I was reading a little bit about the Wear Orange Foundation. And it was like one of the biggest bullet points up there. It's like why orange? And it's saying orange is the color that hunters wear to make sure that they don't shoot each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not even something that like even equated with me. So even just the thought around just wearing orange, just to, Hey, pay attention. This is something that's important. Do you, can you tell me a little bit more about the wear orange foundation? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a foundation. It's, it's moms demand action, but we're orange.org. It's a website where you can learn about, why we wear orange. Mm. And on Ju- on January 21st, 2013, Hadiah Pendleton, she marched in President Obama's second inaugural parade. One week later, Hadiah was shot and killed on a playground in Chicago. So soon after her tragedy, her friends commemorated her life by wearing orange. And we adopted that because Hunters do wear orange and it's to protect themselves and others. So now we wear orange um, to observe every June the thousands of people that have been killed, the survivors, and to honor Hadaya, but more than the more than 40,000 people who are killed with guns and approximately 85,000 who are shot and wounded every single year. Hmm. Those stats are staggering. That's a, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of gun violence. I mean, every year, 110 people are killed due to gun violence every year. 
And the last time I was on your show, it was 100 people. And since then, it's 110 people. Mm. So so we organize wear orange events all over. Um, we are global. We're over 8 million. We are in every town, every city. We have a chapter in every town, every city, every state. And we organize wear orange events to remember lives lost to gun violence and to raise awareness about this public health crisis. So together, we can build a a future free from gun violence. And when people participate in wear orange, that brings awareness. You can participate online. You can participate in person. And um, if you go to wearorange.org, you can find events almost in any state. Yeah, that's really that's really good information. And thanks for the clarification with the with it not being a foundation. But it, it, it's such a smart thing. And orange is such a, a catchy, uh, smart color to wear because it draws attention. And then you can draw them into the message that you're that you're trying to promote of safe safe guns, not getting rid of guns. Yes. Safe guns. Just getting it out of the hands of the people that it shouldn't be in. And Absolutely. even even with the young kids, I think we talked about that stat before, how many young kids who have gotten to their parents' guns and had either shot themselves or other people and how much of a difference that would make if you could just get the guns out of the kids' hands when they shouldn't even be close to those guns. So... Yes. And today I attended an event um, with Giffords, which is also a gun prevention organization with gun owners. And some of the speakers were um, talking about ways that we could reduce gun violence. And one of the speakers talked about um, just focusing on you know, reducing, you know, don't get overwhelmed with trying to solve every problem and just focus on what you can do to reduce gun violence in your community. And if every single person did that, we would make a huge impact. And I just thought that was very impactful because I I think it's exhausting listening, looking and hearing all of the different occurrences of violence. It just becomes so exhausting. And especially for Black people, um, such as Buffalo, you know, you, you, you start to, you start to become depressed sometimes because you wonder, or, or even, um, you know, having anxiety about, you know, who's next, what community might be next. So when you start to focus on what you can do to help and 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 find out your role, it just kind of empowers you and makes you feel better. The thing that I've been finding recently is when you're trying to communicate with someone, when you give them a lot of stats, a lot of times it's harder for somebody to process stats. But when you make it personal, like I had the the series, the the black moms of, of black sons. Yes, you know, it was so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, that series was really awesome. Kudos. Thank you. But but being able to talk to them and like now when they have a son, before they had a son, they would see a tragedy to a black man and it would be like, 
who that you you will feel the pain you feel up you feel the pain period but then when you have a boy that will one day be a black man it hits just a little bit different because that's that's not just a baby that could have been your baby Yes. And when you think about it, when you personalize it, it, it shows you how important these these issues are. And we just need to continue to to fight and, and make change. And there's just so much change, but one step at a time. And I, I just want to help bring awareness to, to issues like these and other issues that we're facing and, and talk about organizations that are doing things to help out. Black people and really it ain't even just black people. It's like it's the world. It's it's all people because black people, we are part of we are part of America. We are black history is history. It's American history. It's not always pretty. American history isn't always pretty, but it's history. It is it is a part of history, and you can't overlook it. And just because it makes you uncomfortable does not mean that that's not something that you should face head on. Absolutely. It is it's like you said, it, it may not be pretty. And we know many parts of it was not pretty, Mm-mm. but it's still our history. And children need to learn it. And families need to embrace that truth. It's our history. And we need to learn from it. If you don't learn it, you you can't grow. You can't do better. You know, we can't change it. So we definitely need to know our history. But I also I agree with you in regards to um, making our stories more personal. You know, when people see hashtags, they know that somebody was murdered or someone died, but it's a hashtag. And so when you tell your story and you share about what happened to you and let somebody know, you know, like my son that was murdered, that that was my son. Like I carried him in my stomach for nine months. So not only did I have him for 24 years, I had him for 24 years and nine months. And so people have to know, you know, that he had a name, Charles W. Reed, and it didn't have a hashtag in front of it. And and he had a born date and he had a death date and it was impactful. And so I think that, you know, oftentimes people don't look at black moms and black dads as having feelings like our child was murdered. We are hurting on the inside. We are changed forever. We are going to grieve forever. That does not go away. So when this happens over and over, you know, it it almost seems as though we send our thoughts and prayers. And then what? These people are grieving. I'm grieving. It does not go away. You learn to cope. And hopefully those that need additional help, they seek out that help. But it still changes us forever. Our lives are changed forever. We can't get that back. And you don't just grieve the death of your child or your loved one. You grieve the time that you will never have with them again. And so that is the consistent grief. And so people need to know that that was a real person that was taken away from someone. 
and and they need to understand you don't get to just give your thoughts and prayers or or send a tweet or a post. You need to do something about this. People demand action be taken. That was very well said. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Any words of wisdom on what we can do, what what needs to start happening other than what we've already talked about? Yes, we have a lot going on in June to bring awareness to this gun violence epidemic. And um, June the 4th is the Silence the Violence March, which is going to be in Detroit. It is sponsored by Pastor Barry and Church of the Messiah. And it is going to be at 10 a.m. And if you would like more information, you can join our Detroit group, Moms Demand Action. We have a link for you to sign up. We also have the Charles W. Reed Community Health Center March and rally coming up on June the 26th. And let's not forget National Gun Violence Awareness Day, which is going to be this year, June the 3rd. And we will be celebrating Wear Orange all weekend from June the 3rd through June the 5th. And if you want to know more about Wear Orange, just go to wearorange.org. Well, Thank you for your your words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing your story with us again. And thank you for all that you're doing in the community because it's much needed. Thank you so much for having me on. I enjoy all of your um, podcasts, especially I really enjoy the series you had with the moms. I really enjoyed that. That really touched me. And like you said, it it made it more personal. Yeah, that was a very that was a very special one. Um, I'm gonna have to do some more stuff like that. That's stuff that I have planned in the future. But I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And thank you. Thank you. Still talking black is a Crown Culture Media LLC production. It's produced by me, Richard Dodds. Our theme music was created by the DJ Blue. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show in your favorite podcasting app. You can follow the show on Instagram at Still Talking Black, and you can follow my personal account at Dazism. You can find more about Still Talking Black at stilltalkingblack.com, where you can find previous episodes, episode transcripts, and a link to the shop. So again, thanks for listening, and until next time, keep talking.